hey guys, just so you know, we're going to just dive right into spoilers in this episode. Um, so if you haven't seen Stranger Things yet, go ahead and go on to Netflix and watch all eight episodes. Really quick quick watch. You won't regret it. It's a really incredible show. Uh, so go ahead and watch that and then come back and listen to this episode. And if you're in the shower and worried about spoiling it, I'll give you time to jump out and turn off the podcast. Um, and in the meantime, check out my solo side project podcast, Anthology, at anthologypod.com. Uh, where I review the Twilight Zone and uh, related shows and movies. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, once again, thank you for downloading this and uh, hope you enjoy our review of Stranger Things. Sorry, it's my fault. There has to be a spoiler warning. It's okay, Tiny. Is it? You guys will know about 20 minutes into this recording. Every time anyway. we do this, I just feel a little upside down. Uh. This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is a bonus episode of ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. this bonus episode of the obsessive viewer we're a weekly movie and tv podcast that covers a specific topic be it genre trope movie or show each episode you can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com and you can also join the facebook group at facebook.com just type in obsessive viewer podcast uh, and look under groups and if you like what you hear and want to support the podcast please head over to itunes and leave a rating and review the more ratings and reviews that we get the easier it will be for people to find the show in itunes search results and if you're feeling particularly generous you can always support the show with your wallet by clicking the donate button on obsessiveviewer.com as well as in the uh donate link in the show notes of each episode you can also become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, where you can choose from several different reward tiers. One of which being, uh, if you pledge $5, you can force us to say anything on the podcast, uh, of your choosing, no matter what the content of the uh, sentence is. So those are all fun. And every, any donation made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running so we can continue to provide you with our week to week ramblings of movie and TV topics. And, uh, finally, tickets are now on sale for Sharktober and Irvington 3. Um, Sharktober and Irvington is a one-night event screening of short horror films here in Indianapolis, uh, created by local filmmakers. Uh, each year we uh, rent out a theater, screen the short horror films, interview the filmmakers on stage, raffle off DVDs, prizes, uh, Blu-rays, gift cards, or, uh, local businesses, all to benefit the Irvington Historical Society and give back to a great community in Irvington. Um, just east of Indianapolis. And for podcast listeners, you can get $1 off the price of admission when you use the promo code PODCAST1 when you buy your tickets. More information as well as a link to buy tickets can be found at sharktoberinirvington.com. So, Tiny, we're here with a bonus episode. Yes, we are. Long time no see. <laughs> I hope the Demogorgon doesn't get us. Right, because of Stranger Things? Because of... Stranger. The, the Dungeons and the Dragons. Uh-huh. uh-huh gotcha. The, yeah. So anyway, so as Tiny so so uh 
so shrewdly, um, shrewdly, <laughs> shrewdly, um, uh, hinted at, we are here today to, uh, with a bonus review of Netflix's original series, Stranger Things, uh, created by the Duffer Brothers. And it was recently, it came out like a month ago. I just now finished it because I've been busy and haven't had time. But um, this show just kind of came out of nowhere and took the Twitterverse and everything by total surprise. Um, Tiny, did you have any any idea what to expect going into this? Did you have any hype surrounding it before the kind of internet kind of ran with it i did because there's uh it, it had a lot of th- this movie has a ton of or i'm sorry the show has a ton of tone it's like a, it's a very um everything is very deliberately it's almost like everything's kind of referential like it's mm-hmm. in reference to other things almost but it's still it's, it's it's its own thing and it's unique but like from from the get go, I got a very Stephen King feel from this. Mm-hmm. I got a very X Files feel from this show. Uh, e. T. Steven Spielberg, nineteen eighties. It's all it's all very nostalgic and and referential to all those things. And so I I had an idea of what I was getting into. What I didn't see coming was how big it was going to be. Me too. This took the interwebs by storm. Absolutely. This was a cultural phenomenon that I took month or like weeks to watch. But anyway. That's neither here nor there. Um, it's funny because a lot of people have been, at least a lot of like critics I've, I've heard on podcasts have referenced that. So, okay. So, so my, my enjoyment of this, of this show is steeped in my love of Stephen King and the, the way that this show just really captures that tone that Stephen King is so, so brilliantly conveys throughout throughout his stories his his stories are sometimes a little like his endings are a little derided here and there um because he he kind of has a tendency to end them not so well uh in a way that um audiences or readers would like but um the important thing that i latch onto with stephen king is that his the journey of the characters and the characterization is so beautifully done that i just i fall in love with with the stories i read um the eyes of the dragon notwithstanding i just read that uh, you can read my review in the future on uh, obsessivebooknerd.com but anyway um so that's what i latched on to with this so when i when i hear it reviewed on podcasts and and hear or see uh some of the some of the more mainstream or official critic circles uh talking about it i kind of noticed the theme that a lot of people said that this show sometimes felt like a kind of an amalgamation or a uh, a pastiche of of different uh, um references kind of cobbled together to create this just ultra nostalgic um series without any um kind of without much original or unique things about it and um the way that i've heard it kind of broken down is that Throughout this whole show, which, by the way, I should go ahead and just read the plot description for those who don't know. Uh, the plot description for Stranger Things is, When a young boy disappears, his mother, a police chief, and his friends must confront terrifying forces in order to get him back. The show is set in, like, 83 in the fictional Hawkins, Indiana. So that's that's a good way to, you know, show you what kind of tone this is. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, the way that I've heard it described is that there are like three kind of sets of characters. There is, um, uh, Winona Ryder's character, who's the mother of the missing child. 
and and uh hopper or hop who is the um uh police chief of the town and then there's the teenagers so there's nancy there's jonathan there's steve they have their own thing going on and then the the younger kids mike lucas um dustin and 11 they all have their thing going on so all of these all of these plots are kind of simultaneously going and the way that i've heard to heard it described is it's like it's like the adults are in a stephen king novel the teenagers are in a uh uh john carpenter like horror movie and the kids are in like a steven spielberg movie <laughs> mm-hmm. and the combination of all that for some people is a little too much of too much nostalgia and too much just too much i just latched on to those uh to those uh homages and those references and i was just along for the ride the entire time i did not i did not think it was overdone i didn't think it was too nostalgic i thought that this was such a fun and captivating and thrilling season of television that i just i was really really um engaged with it and i really liked it um yeah so so where do you want to start <laughs> well that was well said and and i think um I think the show is good despite all those things. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think people want to point to that nostalgia and the, the referential nature of those things as a negative thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's kind of, that was their in to gain an audience because people tuned in to see what that was going to be. And then they did their own thing and they made this mm-hmm. a, a, a relatively unique story. I, I think it's, I, th- I think they made it their own. They mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't just, plagiarize or tweak a story from Spielberg or King or whoever, you know, it, it had a, they made it their own. And and that's, that's what, that's all that matters to me. And all of the nostalgia and the references are just icing on the cake. Yeah. That's how, that's how I feel anyways. Yep. And, uh, it's funny the Duffer brothers who, who created the show and are the producers on it. They, uh, lobbied pretty heavily to remake it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it just, I'm I'm gonna read it for the first time um mm-hmm. after I finish the Dark Tower series, rereading it. But um but that it just seems like this this show just really captures that feeling that, that I remember from yeah. like the miniseries and what I've what I've picked up about it um in uh, throughout the years. And just the references throughout this entire season is are just remarkable. Like um what, like the episode titles alone, um, the ones that jump to mind is, I think like, uh, I don't remember what episode it is, but it's called, uh, um, the weirdo on Maple Street, which is a reference to so far my favorite episode of the Twilight Zone, the mm-hmm. Monsters of Doom on Maple Street. And then also, Tiny, did you catch this? Uh, I think it was like episode five or six is called, uh, titled The Body. Yeah. Okay. Did you catch that reference? Oh, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Reference to uh, Stephen King's short story, The Body, which is the basis for Stand By Me. Right. Um, it's just, it's just like those little bits and pieces here and there. There's like little hints of like uh, one character's reading Cujo. Um, they dress up, they dress up uh, 11 uh, uh, somewhat similar to E.T., which right. some people weren't too fond of that, but I, I didn't mind it. But I thought it was funny. Yeah. It's, it's just a funny, funny way to make a reference. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, I don't know. I just, it, felt like these references in the in these uh everything about it just came from a place of love and, and it affection was, it wasn't laziness it was passion exactly that's why they referenced these things yeah. yeah so so what did you think of the kind of overall story we can go we can kind of break it down by each plot line the the adults the teenagers and the kids so what did you feel about the uh 
um, the adults, Hop and, and Joyce and, and the adults in the show. I, I mean, to me, the most interesting was uh, Hop. Mm-hmm. I, I think he has this really, he has this huge chip on his shoulder uh, with his personal life mm-hmm. um, involving his family. And I, I think that's that's what really drives him throughout the show. And I think while that's not a new thing, that's we've seen that from characters before, I, I appreciate how it fit into the story. I think it really drove the character to do what he did throughout the story, and it I, it was really satisfying. He was one of my favorite characters, uh, Hop, throughout the show. Um, I think Winona Ryder got kind of a bad rap mm-hmm. because her character is fairly stereotypical. Mm-hmm. She's the you know the the damaged mother. She's you know, she's a single mother, and she's got her her child is missing, and she she uh, kind of. It, it consumes her entire life and she's, she's very sad and crying all the time. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of a, kind of a bummer thing. And, you know, also something we've seen a lot. Um, but I, I really, I, I think, I think she did a good job with that character, uh, first of all. And then secondly, I, again, I think that motivation, um, really drove her to a really cool place in the show. You know, she starts to realize, her son wasn't killed. He's just missing mm-hmm. and he's missing in a place that, you know, we can't necessarily see. And she, she finds the links into that other place. And it's again, trying not to spoil here. Right. Um, we'll do a separate spoiler section. Okay. Um, but I, I, I think, I think the path, the path that that stereotype leads her down really sets her apart from other characters that have mm-hmm. this kind of, this kind of experience. So th- again, that kind of plays into the theme of how, there are some you kind of know what you're getting a lot with this show in the the themes and the references and the characters, but I think they take it to their own place and they they make them their own and and I feel like Winona Ryder deserves a little bit more credit for what she was able to achieve achieve with her character. I I agree and I think that she deserves a lot of credit in the writing as well because this one of the things that I really kind of latched onto throughout the throughout the season. At least in in the beginning, when when it's when we're first kind of introduced to the predicament and and um, Winona Ryder's characters struggle with with what's going on because she's like that kind of uh, frantic kind of uh, unhinged quality that she that she brings to the role that comes from such a place of just frenzy and and um um not not knowing how to fit like it comes across as crazy and and, right. and just crazy and that is so like one of the one of my favorite things favorite things in the entire season was the way that uh her oldest her oldest son Jonathan um like their dynamic in the first few episodes before he kind of becomes his own has his own storyline running with uh the Nancy character um where it's just where you can kind of get the sense that it's it's just it's just him and his mom there and they're both dealing with this tragic um uh tragic mystery that's that's affecting their their family and everything and you can see how how much the Jonathan character the the son he's trying to keep it together and keep everything together and keep his mother from going completely insane with everything and it's just it comes it the way the writing was was just it was i don't know it it kind of resonated with me and it, it was just really i i loved that and i latched onto it and that that was a really powerful um dynamic that was presented in the show uh for me i i really enjoyed that 
And um, so, so yeah, hop. Mm-hmm. Um, David Harbour, man. This is the best I think he's done, and I've seen him in a lot of stuff. I, I have, too. He's one of those just, like, you know you've seen him in a lot of things. Yeah, his character actor. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what exactly I've seen him in. It'll just take a moment. Yeah. Um, um, he's in Casino Royale, isn't he? I want to say he is. He was in Black Mass. He was in Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um. Uh oh yeah he was in, that's where I know him from most of all he was in uh, uh the newsroom yes he played the yep. kind of um wow what was it like the the he, other he news was in anchor. The, yeah he was in the show after the main show that was yeah. featured on the show yeah the show he was the not quite primetime news anchor yes there you go yeah and uh and he was great and and he's in he was in uh Quantum of Solace Quantum of Solace okay yeah and it's just he's he's been in so many things and he's just such a great a dynamic uh, character actor, and it's great to see him in a role that is just so, so meaty for him. Yeah, he he commands a lot of attention when he's on screen. He really does, and it's it's a character that could easily be um, construed as or, or depicted as, or a, a more lazy actor could have made him more of a more of an archetype, uh-huh. uh, just like this troubled police chief who who. Um, is dealing with things that are so out of his element, but David Harbour just has this, has this presence to him. That's like, you want to root for him so hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the backstory that they give that character is so heartbreaking. And, and, and there are scenes in the, in the season that, that color, that backstory in that, that's so beautiful and, and poignant and just heartbreaking all at the same time. And it's like they convey enough information without having to kind of beat you over the head, over the head with it. Um, and I just, I really appreciated that. There were, there were times where I got maybe a little bit choked up and it was just, it like, it just, um, emotionally, it just, it just was really, just really powerful the way that they had his character arc. And it's also really thrilling. There's, there's, um, his his character arc, like at least places where I was like genuinely like I was terrified for the character, um, and I I really I'll talk more about that in spoilers, but um, I just thought that it was a really great characterization for uh, that character. I agree. I big fan. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And uh, yeah, uh, and I'm really I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, his career hopefully explode after this. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, uh, why don't we kind of go down the line and go to the teenagers? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, so there's Nancy is kind of the, kind of the linchpin of the teen characters. She is, um, the sister of Mike, the kind of leader of the, the childhood friends that are friends with the missing kid, Will. And, uh, her whole character arc involves her, um, dating this kind of, uh, uh, douchebag preppy guy or douchebag popular guy mm-hmm. and uh like it starts out with her her best friend barb kind of being kind of cast aside or feeling like she's cast aside and she eventually gets into a uh a plot line with with jonathan the brother of the missing kid it's just it's how how did you feel about her her arc and the the teen storyline throughout the throughout the season um i i liked it cuz it was it, it was it was an interesting Again, an interesting in into the story because you have self-centered teenagers who only care about <laughs> themselves and they right. only care about how popular they are in high school and the 
goofy relationships they have and stuff like that. That's what teenagers care about. Um, and you know, they kind of need to wake up and, and smell the Demogorgon. Uh, and, and they do in this, Jeez. in this, in this show. And it's really satisfying. Um, I, I think the relationships that, that, uh, that start and end and evolve amongst all these teenagers is really, it's just really, it's, it's fun to watch them go through their experiences and kind of, kind of grow up a little bit and start acting like young adults, like they're supposed to. Um, (laughs) I, I really appreciated all that. I think I, I just did not see a weak link acting wise or character wise in this show. Everyone just served a purpose and they drove their purposes home. Mm Um, I, I especially appreciated the relationship between Nancy and, uh, Nancy Wheeler and Jonathan Byers. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's interesting. I think, I think their relationship is almost a little bit too adult. Like sure. they should have like fallen in love and become, mm-hmm. you know, boyfriend and girlfriend and really, you know, that that's what should have happened, but they end up kind of being friends at the mm-hmm. end. And it's just, it's, I thought it was incredibly satisfying and I loved watching every minute of it. Um, but it's almost unrealistically adult and mature relationship kind of. Um, so, sh- so should we just go right into spoilers? Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's um, fine. Okay, so you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I was saying, I really, it's it's fascinating to watch these teenagers evolve, basically. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's, it's always awkward when you're growing up as a teenager. And it was, uh, it was some fun theater for this show. Absolutely. And uh, since we're in spoilers, I'll, I'll, I'll mention the the thing later, but anyway, um, you know, and when you, when you say they should have fallen in love and everything, it's, it's funny. It's okay. So it's funny. I'm, I'm not picking that apart, um, uh, because I feel like, I don't know if this is what you were saying or not, but, uh, the conventions of, of drama constitute that they should have, you know, fallen in love. She should have seen like, Oh, Jonathan's the man for me. Yeah. But it's funny because the guy creepily took candid pictures of her um, yeah. in various states of undress when she's getting laid, um, <laughs> which is it's just funny. And and that's kind of a com- uh, complexity that's brought to the uh, characterization and, and the character interactions in the show so well and, so, and, and really well, actually, because it's... Uh, because that that is what you would you would expect out of the show, like mm-hmm. you know, Steve is introduced as such a such a prick early on, <laughs> and he's in he's kind of just this douche, and and uh, and we don't want Nancy to stay with him, and she we want her to find Jonathan, but it's such an interesting um, shift in the dynamic because even though you know they they have this connection when they're hunting the monster. They're still, you know, they're just friends. They're they're close without having to have that romantic link, which I think is such a refreshing thing to see in in a, a drama because it's it feels realistic. It's like they're not when all of a sudden and done, she's not just gonna. It it would reflect. I think it would be construed as poor characterization um, and poor writing for for that character if she were to just fall in love with him. Um, because Steve did prove her, prove himself when they f- faced down the, the Demogorgon, um, in, in the house. And Steve in that face seemed like, <laughs> seemed like he came, uh, he, um, uh, he, uh, grew a lot in that. So, um, I was totally fine with, with that ending. Um, that's a really good point. Yeah. I, and really... I guess I'll say that as opposed to they should have fallen in love, it was, it was kind of the, 
the conventional next step in the in that storyline that sure. most people were, I think, expecting. And so it was just a little unexpected that they didn't. Sure, um, I'm I'm totally fine with the way it went too. I th- I think it was a, a good a good conclusion for that storyline. Mm. But uh, I I was expecting it to go one way and went another way. So that's in a lot of ways that's a good thing. So sure. Yep. Um, I'm gonna jump back and talk a little bit about Hop a little bit since since we're gonna spoil it. Yeah. Um. So the things that I was refer were referring to that kind of got me a little choked up. Um. Was the, the in the in the last episode the flashbacks to to his daughter? Yeah, that just that just hit me so hard. That was rough. That was just really just really great um, use of flashbacks, and also the scene where he uh, earlier in the season he calls his ex wife because he's he wakes up after being drugged by the the weird uh, um, corporation or whatever that's running things the scientists, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like you it comes from a place that's like he thinks he's about to get killed. He's about to be, you know, murdered um, because he knows everything and everything. So he calls her and it's so, it's, it's just heartbreaking because you can tell that she just from the sound of it, they, they don't dwell on it, but she's, she's moved on and you hear this baby in the background. It's like, it just, it just rips your heart out because you know that they, that they both lost a child and the fact that she's moved on and he can't, and he doesn't have her for emotional support at all. She's moved on. It's just, it, that's so heartbreaking. It tells so much about the character that he's there alone in this. And it's just, ah, I, I loved that characterization. I love uh, David Harbour's performance and what he brought to it in that character. I absolutely agree. And, and it's depicted through those flashbacks that he lost his daughter slowly. Like it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like she got hit yeah. by a car or something. I mean, she got cancer right. and slowly died over, mm-hmm. I assume months and months. It's just, that's awful. That's like the worst terrible. thing ever. It's oh, yeah. horrible. And I, I agree that it's a terrible thing, but the way it motivated his character was again, fascinating to watch. And I really appreciated that about his character. Absolutely. And, uh, also the scene, I believe it's episode five where he breaks into the, uh, to the building he's looking through it like i was i was so on the edge of my seat during that sequence because it's the beginning of i think episode five and the the way that the way that the scenes are shot with him wandering around and i was thinking like i i was so i was so on on the edge of my seat because i had no idea if they were just going to kill him off in the beginning of the episode i thought that there was a legitimate uh, thing that could happen that they could kill him off that early in the show that that gruesomely and fortunately they didn't but i just i i love that that the show defied my expectations or or made me not sure how it was going to happen how everything was going to play it out and i i just love that about it agreed okay so um so we're kind of bouncing around a little bit do you yeah. want to talk about the kids now please yes so um i can't remember his first name but the last name is wolfhard Finn. Finn Wolfhard. Such a great name. It is. But uh, first of all, he's going to be playing uh, Richie in it? Uh, I think he's playing Bill. Big Bill, who's the the leader, isn't he? I thought he was playing Big Bill. Richie Tozier. Oh, he's playing Richie Tozier. Okay. Tozier. He'll he'll be good as Richie Tozier. Yeah. Yeah. So all the kids, man. Just, oh, man. Yeah. So good. I bitch a lot about how much kids suck as actors, (laughs) and I am so glad to be wrong with this, Mm. because... Like I said, there are no weak links in the characters or the actors, Mm -hmm. and it is never more present or more notable than with the children Mm -hmm. in this show. Holy 
<laughs> they're all so good. Like I think all of them should have gotten Emmys. Like so incredible. Give all of them Emmys. That's how mm-hmm. good they were. Um, I hate to say this, given how good they all were, but Millie Bobby Brown was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I could not take my eyes off her every single time she was on screen. She was just, she was like a shiny diamond in every single episode. Like I, just, I, could, <laughs> I couldn't look away. She was so good and like just. It totally wise beyond her years and mm-hmm. you know her her character's 11 has been through just an ungodly amount of trauma and as a result it's turned her into this kind of kind of like a shell of a person and she doesn't know how the world works or how she's supposed to act and all these different emotions and feelings she's going through she doesn't know how she doesn't know what they are or how to deal with them and to see a I don't even know how old she is, 12, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. To see a basically a tween pull that off is a remarkable feat. And I'm just I was just absolutely stunned by what she did in this first season. Absolutely. I thought that she brought so much to that role and it was just really, really well done. Um and it was so captivating and so um just just really, really uh captivating to me. I just I as we slowly learn about the the powers of her and and, and her growth and, and learning what what it means to be a friend in in right. throughout the course of the season is so great, um, and just the character dynamics of all the kids were it was so amazing because even though they're like they're still trying to understand what's going on and it's kind of like they're putting putting the uh, the disappearance of their friend into a context that they can relate to in terms of the demogorgon and, and the monsters and everything um, they're they're uh, it's it's like they're trying to just you know they're trying to make sense of the of the world that they're in now and it's just amazing that the the uh point of context that they are the um, frame of reference that they use to contextualize it is what's really going on right and uh just the way that the characters uh, like it feels so genuine like you would believe that these kids are just best friends <laughs> yeah and that they spend hours upon hours every week playing dungeons and dragons together and that's something that's so hard to do especially with kid actors it's so crazy um and just just the conflicts that arise between them throughout the season is just it's i loved every second of it and i loved the way that the characters were handled um and even though, and even with all of the crazy stuff going on throughout the throughout the season, they still find ways to have just genuine like kid moments and um, kid logic and kid situations. Like they're the bullies that they encounter are such massive douchebags, but yeah, uh, the way that they're handled throughout the season and the way that they're um, shown is just so so authentic or, or not authentic, but so. Um, inspired, inspired, and so yeah. real. Um, yeah, to to that type of character characterization. I just I loved that so much. Um, agreed. Yeah. Uh, if if you want to see further evidence of how awesome all the kids are, they were on uh, Jimmy Fallon mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago. I don't remember, and they they like they were interviewed like all four of them nice. were on the show together, and uh, they at the end they played a game called Stranger Strings. Where it was like okay. it was kind of like uh, never have I ever sort of kind of like that, okay. but with silly string, huh. and they would silly string you if they thought you were whoever thought it was. I, it was it was kind of funny, mm-hmm. um, but those kids, the kids are just like 
they're like, yeah, we're on Jimmy Fallon. We're on the, we're on the late show and we're just going to be awesome. Like they don't, that's awesome. It, like they didn't seem nervous at all. And they, they weren't like, you know, reserved or goofy. Mm-hmm. Like you might expect a kid to be on national television for the right. first time. They were just having fun. I mean, it's, it's, I want to be friends with these kids <laughs> and I'm an adult. Um, that's, yeah, that's they're, they're just really cool. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. They're awesome. Um, yeah, I, I was just amazing. I was just amazed at how, how great they all were. And, and, you know, a ton of the credit should go to the, um, uh, the Duffer brothers for totally. creating these kids. Um, I, I had read the book it, uh, by Stephen King a few months before this came out, maybe even just like a month before this came mm-hmm. out. And that book is really famous for how well the children are depicted mm-hmm. and how everyone loves all the kids in that book there. A lot of those kids are favorite characters for Stephen King fans yeah. and with good reason. And, I would I would go so far as to say that the kids in this show and the kids in it are like interchangeable almost nice. not not to a fault of the Duffer brothers I think they again they, I've said this a lot but they made these they made these characters their own um and and I I can appreciate both groups and and both sets of kids separately um but just anyone who's familiar with the book it if you if you fell in love with those kids the way I did in that book you will enjoy the hell out of it, out of uh, stranger things and nice. you'll it's it th- there's so many parallels there that it's 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 really it's really awesome i i, I just i loved it nice i'm kind of worried that when i read it which i'm planning on doing very soon um that maybe i'll picture the kids in the show yeah <laughs> anyway um so yeah so uh I know we're going to have to kind of wrap up soon because we've been yeah. recording a while, but um, what do you think of Matthew Modine and, and his whole, this the whole uh, clandestine group of scientists uh, in the, the, the energy building, whatever? I liked the story. I thought the whole, um, the kind of anti-government thing or the, not anti-government, but kind of the whole how the government secrecy thing mm-hmm. I thought was, was really intriguing. And that's, that's another story that always fascinates me. And I'm always curious to, to uh, explore those kinds of stories. Uh, the Mist came to mind, another oh, Stephen yeah. King reference. Um, Matthew Modine wasn't really crazy about him. I don't, I don't, I think he's, he's one, I don't know if I call his character a weak link, but I just don't think he was a very fully realized character. I totally agree. We just didn't get a lot of him really. And, right. and I kind of wonder if in further, further seasons, if we'll get more of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, crazy about Matthew Modine as an actor. Sometimes he's great. I really appreciate him when he's in smaller roles and mm-hmm. when he's a supporting actor. Um, I loved him on the West Wing. So he can be a really good actor, but I think I think sometimes he just kind of phones it in. I, I just don't really buy buy him that well. I see Matthew Modine, not the character he's playing. Sure. Um, and I, I just get that from him a lot. And I think I, I would have... I think I would have preferred someone else cast in that role. Sure. I think he did a fine job personally. I just think that the, the writing wasn't, I get that he's the secretive character. He's this, he's this person that we're not supposed to know much about. And I'm not complaining that we don't know enough about him. I just don't think his, his whole main arc throughout the, throughout the uh, episode, like we're, we're kind of, or the show is we're kind of struggling with it. Does is he, does he care for Eleven or is it just a, like, this is his property and he needs to get it back because she's so powerful? Like, we're, it's kind of seemed like it was wrestling one way or the other and we didn't really get, like, what that character was kind of all about. 
And I get that, you know, he's steeped in mystery and everything, but I kind of wish we would have gotten something. Um, maybe we did and I just missed it, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think we did because I didn't pick up on it either. Okay. I mean, I, I, I feel like his character was very, very manipulative and yeah. he, 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 he manipulated Eleven throughout the movie and he tried to manipulate some of the parents and, uh, hop throughout mm-hmm. the movie and it, it was a very, a very vile thing. Like it was, it was a villainous thing to do. And I just don't buy Matthew Modine as a villain. I, I mean, yeah. again, I can think of 10 actors who would have played this role much better than Matthew Modine. Um, he just seems a little like wholesome ish to me. And yeah. uh, I, I don't know if that's the right, the right ad- kind of adjective. A, yeah. He, he seemed, he didn't seem, he didn't seem menacing enough for me. Yeah. He should play someone's dad. Yeah. Like he should Which play technically in, sort of. Well, figure, yeah. but, but no, he he wasn't he, like yeah he was he was this character who's this mysterious. It would have been better if there was it was more of a um, uh, dichotomy between mysterious and sinister and and menacing. Like mm-hmm. I didn't get the sense that he was like a real like you get the sense that he and the organization are a threat, but he himself it doesn't seem like he's like he isn't the epitome of evil as his wardrobe and. Uh, the way that the show wanted to depict him as was. I, I agree. Um, but I, I will say that uh, I think it was really great how this is set in the 80s and it's very steeped mm-hmm. in 80s uh, references and, and uh, um, um, oh, God, uh, nostalgia. Mm-hmm. The show's very steeped in 80s nostalgia and, and references and everything. And I think it's really funny how they had two of the main actors were Matthew Modine and went on a writer who made names for themselves yeah. in the eighties. They're, they're right. famous for their movies. They starred in, in the eighties, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, full metal jacket for Matthew right. Modine and, uh, uh, you know, Edward Scissorhands and mm-hmm. all kinds of other movies for, for, uh, went on a writer. I think it was just, I thought it was a fun choice. I'll, I'll give them that. I'll give them credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, to kind of, we can, we can kind of start winding down mm-hmm. a couple kind of, kind of fun things. One, um, the actor who played Jonathan, uh, Byers, uh, Charlie Heaton. So, um, this show is so much, I don't know if you picked up on this or if you, if you got this either. Um, but the show is so much about paying homage to, to, to work from the eighties and, and certain, certain filmmakers and certain creators. Um, most of all, or pro- potentially most of all, Stephen King, obviously. Mm-hmm. Is it just me or does Charlie Heaton just look just like a young Stephen King? Uh, he looks, he looks similar to him. Yeah. Okay. Quite a bit, especially in the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And like the whole time I, uh, was watching it, um, I kept thinking like, you know, if, uh, if the Dark Tower takes off and they reach a point where they might need, you know, that, yeah. maybe they could cast him. Yeah, could be. I could, um, I could, I'd buy it. Yeah, totally. I'd, I'd go for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, one of the other things I wanted to mention about the show that I, I really enjoyed, it can be part of our wind down, is mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like while it's clearly sci-fi i feel like the show tapped into a lot of different genres mm-hmm. it was very a lot of a lot of horror elements to this um, yeah. a lot a lot of scary moments um but at the same time it was also very um kind of mystical magical kind of mm-hmm. stuff and you get all kinds of sci-fi throughout it um 
I, I feel like the way they blended all that together was really was really fun and it, it just kind of I appreciate it when you just can't necessarily fit something into a box right you can't just describe a show or a movie in one sentence mm-hmm. you got you got to ex- explore it a little bit more and and I think the Duffer brothers really tapped into that and it's it's got it's got elements from so many different genres and so many different subgenres. Uh, I, I, I appreciated those choices and it, it worked out really well. Absolutely. It's not just this story about um, uh, a kid with magical powers. It's not just this monster monster story. It's yeah. not this story about just parallel dimensions and it's not the story about just uh, the secret organization. It's not the story about it. Like there's so many elements of it. Like you said, it's right. just, it's so, so good. Um, so to kind of, kind of wind up, Oh, one other thing. Did you see the thing where, um, uh, what was it? Uh, um, Ben Schwartz, who played John Raffio on Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. He, <laughs> there was a whole thing where he, like, he, he said like, uh, like this is now headcanon for me. Like this is, this is, this is, you know, this is my personal view of, of what it, what it is now. But he, he said that like, yeah, uh, you know, I w- kind of wonder if, uh, st- if John Ralphio is actually, uh, the illegitimate son of Steve <laughs> Harrington or whatever from, from Stranger Things. Oh, it's just boy. like that alone, like, cause they look, they look so similar. And, and both take place in Indiana. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's perfect. That is awesome. Yeah. So like, I, I kind of like that. Like in my head now, Stranger Things and Parks and Rec take place in the same universe. But nice. Also, yeah. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the music. Yes. Oh my god. Perfect. So great. The music is perfect for mm-hmm. the show. Like you couldn't do anything else. It's just like oh, absolutely. it's beyond fitting. In the opening, the opening credits sequence or the opening theme sequence is just so incredible. Yeah. And uh, in like it borrows from Stephen King uh, font covers from like the eighties. And, uh, like, oh, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, so to kind of wrap things up a little bit here, and then we'll go to our listeners, uh, who posted their thoughts on, on Facebook and then we'll call it a night. Um, how do you feel about the way that it wrapped up and, and how do you feel about going into season two? Cause they did announce that it is renewed for season two and that they are going to, um, it's going to be a sequel to it, so it's not going to be like an anthology series. It's just going to be a sequel to what's going on. So how do you feel about the end of the season one, and do you think that they can recapture that magic for season two? Um, given how well the first season went and that I assume they're going to have just about everybody back, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm not going to cast any doubts on the second season. I'm going to be just as excited. I'm going to be really excited for it. Uh, I'm going to be counting down the days till it premieres. Um, and I, th- I think again, given how well it went, I have a lot of faith in everyone involved to make this a really great show for multiple seasons to come. I'm glad it's mm-hmm. a sequel. I think, uh, the end of the end of the first season, they, they didn't make it necessarily a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. but they gave us some stuff to wonder about for the next season. And, uh, I think that was a good choice. I didn't want a literal cliffhanger or anything goofy like that. Um, I'm just excited to see more of these characters and and more of Hawkins Indiana. Uh it's it's it, I hope it's going to be great and I'm I I have no doubts. I absolutely agree. I'm I'm a little um I guess a little not nervous but I'm just a little bit apprehensive about season 2 just cuz this was such a unique thing that just hit hit pop culture and and the like it just it just hit everyone at the at the right moment it seems. So I'm kind of hoping that they can 
keep that energy going. So I'm, I'm a little bit nervous that maybe they might slip a little bit. Um, but I mean, I have no, I've not seen anything else that the Duffer brothers have done. So I don't, I, I would assume that they're, they've created such a, such an interesting world in the first season that I, I don't see them, uh, faltering that too much. And fi- final thing, um, we we talked about as much about Barb in this in this episode as the show <laughs> made reference to. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they they they've announced or they've they've hinted at uh her fate or whatever at the end of the at the end of the season, um in in interviews and stuff. I haven't read any of them or anything, but um just that scene where in in the episode the bathtub I believe, uh which is um an homage to uh, the title the bathtub is an homage to uh the shining yeah yeah nice anyway um in that episode they showed i think it was that episode they showed just revealed that she's all messed up in the upside down right and presumably dead and it's just that was just so oh it really hit you in the face it did yeah because i mean they don't there's not there's violence in the show mm-hmm. but it's it's so fitting and it doesn't seem like out of place or like I I would I'd be fine with my eight or nine year old son watching it. Like I wouldn't worry about that. It just it it fit in where it needed to, and it made sense. And that was a notable scene because of the way they chose to depict the the violence and the gore, and it it worked out really well. Absolutely, I agree. And uh, so yeah, that that's kind of our quick, relatively quick thoughts on love stranger fest things. for stranger things exactly which everyone so, loves it so i don't care absolutely <laughs> so uh let, so let us know what you think you know find us in all the usual places um i posted a question on the facebook group for obsessive viewer um asking what everyone everyone thought of um stranger things and uh so so we got a couple comments here um from alex uh who is who was a former coworker of ours and is now a current coworker of mine she switched jobs uh super excited about that awesome uh she said i loved it dustin is my favorite character by far though nancy is a close second nice yep and uh and i said that i loved hop too and uh oh, yeah <laughs> and i said that i loved hop and all of the kids uh but i loved dustin and lucas particular but all the characters are really great and she said that um there really isn't a bad character and as far as the too nostalgic thing i don't think it was unless uh anything less and people would have complained that it wasn't authentic enough which i agree nice and then uh matt uh and draco our patreon subscriber thanks matt (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he said I thought it was just okay I don't see why everyone thought it was as great as they do it wasn't bad by any means but just okay whatever (laughs) I'm kidding no that's fine I understand fair enough (laughs) and finally Doug from Movie Madness Podcast said one of the best shows I've seen in years and to all the nostalgia naysayers you know what you get when you take away the nostalgia the Star Wars prequels (laughs) nice (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect oh yeah so uh, so that'll about do it for this week's uh, bonus episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Once again, check out my Solo Side Project podcast anthology, where I'm also doing bonus episodes about Black Mirror, anthologypod.com, and go to sharktoberdermington.com for information on uh, and buying tickets to our event here in Indianapolis on October 14th. And I think I'll end the episode with a promo for that. And uh, Tiny, anything else you need to say, or should we call it night? Uh, keep out for keep your eyes open for the Demogorgon. <gasps> yeah, I love the 
show. Me too. It was so good. <laughs> <Nice>. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Tickets are on sale now for the third annual Shocktober in Irvington presented by the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Join the hosts of the Obsessive Viewer on October 14th, 2016 at the Irving Theater for a one-night event screening of short horror films, including the premiere screenings of J.P. Lex The Roman, the latest entry in his cross-medium Elsewhere World universe, as well as the latest slasher from Snapshot Productions and Billy and Brandon Watch Movies. All of this and so much more. Come celebrate the horror genre in the historic Irvington area and get a chance to meet the filmmakers with live interviews after each screening. You can also win DVDs, Blu-rays, and gift cards to Irvington businesses. Tickets are on sale now at shocktoberinirvington.com. All proceeds will go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. And we will see you at the Irving Theater on October 14th. That is, if you dare. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.